thank you because you are worthy. We thank you because you are worthy. You are worthy to be glorified. You're worthy to be high and lifted up. Yes. We thank you because what you have done for us, what you are doing through us, and what you have yet to do. We thank you. We thank you because the manifestation of your presence is here with us. We thank you because you have never left or forsaken us. We thank you because you have never forgotten us you have included us in your plan that you made us a part of your will and for that Father God we just glorify you, we thank you we praise your wonderful name in the name of your son Jesus we pray Amen 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 Hey, well you can be seated if you're not already seated if you're still worshiping feel free to still worship I'm so thankful um, that you're that you were able to come out tonight and uh, I actually may not even need this microphone there's not many of us in here um, but if in case it does if there is a need um, I'll use it are we recording oh okay well, uh, and I'll use a the microphone then. <laughs> but welcome 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 um, we are, again, this is just kind of a, a review. We're picking up from uh, Sunday in which we talked about the message of uh, the spirit of Shavuot or the feast of Shavuot. And um, the reason why I felt that, that, that talking about this, this message was extremely important is because, you know, as we, as we are believers, um, it's important to understand our foundation, uh, where we come from um, historically, um, the God we serve, we need to understand who he is and what he has done in, in the history, uh, in his redemptive history, um, in which we are included or a part of that. And, um, you know, I was thinking, it's interesting when we are approaching uh, Resurrection Sunday, uh, which the world would call Easter. Um, it's very interesting when uh, Resurrection Sunday slash Easter approaches, there's so much um, anticipation, um, not necessarily in the world, but in the church. Um, there's a huge anticipation for what's going to happen um, on a Easter, a quote-unquote Easter Sunday. Um, it is the time of the year that, I mean, churches are packed out. They're packed out mainly because um, it's the traditional thing to do. Um, there is an expectation, there's an anticipation, and then after Easter Sunday, quote-unquote, and I always say quote-unquote because, again, we don't really celebrate Easter, we celebrate the resurrection, but the world knows Easter. Um, after Easter Sunday is finished, is concluded, then everything kind of goes back to normal. And I don't know, it's kind of like, who do you blame for that? <laughs> Uh, do we blame the church for creating such a huge anticipation around one day of the year and then allowing everything to go back to being normal? Um, do we blame the culture, um, you know, especially in America that we live where uh, we 
we call this somewhat of a Christian nation. And I wrestle with that a lot um, from a historical standpoint and also from um, a spiritual standpoint. Um, because, again, if this is a Christian nation, um, why is it that there is one big anticipation, there's a big anticipation for one day of the year and then everything kind of goes back to normal? Um, so I looked at that and I said, well, in Israel, in the first century of Israel, um, around first century AD, um, where the believers who were the first disciples of Christ gathered together, feast days were extremely important from a cultural standpoint and also a historical standpoint. And if you look at the feast days, they were always tied to something. Now, in America, we don't, we're not able to kind of grab that because we don't have the same agricultural experience that Israel has. But the feast days were centered around Israel's agriculture, and God used that, the examples in agriculture, to tie, to, to tie them to a redemptive, historical, redemptive story. Um, when we talk about Passover, Passover, which we connect with Resurrection Sunday, um, it's tied to, redempt, to the redemption of Israel from Egypt. And God uses that as the image, as the precedence for the liberation of, the, um, of unbelievers, uh, of sinners from the bondage of, of, uh, of sin. Then we look at the next feast day or, or the next festival, uh, festive celebration, the feast of Shavuot. And what is God using that to say to the church? What did God use to that to say to the people of Israel at that time? The first disciples of Christ. And that's where I went to Acts chapter four, Acts chapter one, verses four to eight in which Jesus is, again, this is part of the 40 days in which Jesus is instructing his disciples before his ascension. And he's saying to his disciples, hey, there's something that's coming. There's actually someone that is coming. And this is what the book of Joel was speaking about, where, where God says, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. You know? And he connects this with the Feast of Shavuot. This was a, you know, there's three feasts in which Israel was expected to appear before Yahweh. We talked about Passover, which is tied to the resurrection. The Feast of Shavuot was the second feast. And it was 50 days after Passover. But he ties this, Jesus ties this to the outpouring of the, of the Holy Spirit. And, you know, in our experience as a church today, um, when we talk about the Holy Spirit, there's supposed to always be this, you know, this uh, jumping, shouting, running around, speaking in tongues, falling out, laying, you know, all the stuff that we tend to do in our practices. But we really lack, in a sense, the foundational understanding of why, um, why the Holy Spirit came. And so that was the premise or the reason for covering uh, what I covered on Sunday. Uh, it's not necessarily the most exciting message. <laughs> it was very difficult for me as well. 
but it was necessary, you know, because, again, if we're going to shout, dance, run around, fall out, we need to know what we shout, dance, and run around and falling out for. <laughs> Amen. So we talked about the uh, Feast of Shavuot. And uh, the Feast of Shavuot is, in a sense, is, it's funny because I looked at some of the passages in which, you know, for instance, uh, let's go to Matthew chapter 3. And I'm not really going to do another preaching. It's just kind of uh, opening the window for questions in case... Uh, we kind of forgot what was being talked about. But Matthew chapter 3, verse 11 and 12. And it reads, I baptize you with water for repentance, but after me will come one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I am not fit to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Verse 12, his, winnow, his winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear his threshing floor, gathering his wheat into the barn and burning up the shaft with unquestionable, unquenchable, unquenchable fire. It's interesting that I've read that so many times in the past, but when I, when I started reading about the Feast of Shavuot, it connected. The, winnow, the winnowing fork is, a, is an instrument that was used to separate wheat from chaff or wheat from tear. So here it is. I mean, John the Baptist himself is letting this, is giving us kind of an insight of when this baptism of the Holy Spirit will take place. And then Jesus mentions the same baptism of, of the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 1. Verse 4 through 8, and he's, he's tying this to the Feast of Shavuot. This is extremely powerful. Because I used to wonder, what is the wheat and the tear? And you have so many interpretations of the wheat and the tear. But the question that, that we really have to ask ourselves is, what did it mean to the believers that were hearing this for the first time? And how does that connect to the Holy Spirit? And then the question that I'm really going to ask is, how does that impact you today? You know, because the Holy Spirit comes, we emphasize a lot about the gifts, but we also need to emphasize the character. Because ultimately, why did the Holy Spirit come? Well, I remember on Sunday I mentioned one is to inaugurate New Covenant Israel or inaugurate the New Covenant to Israel, you know. Jesus mentions the new covenant at the, uh, at the communion when he talks about his blood. This is the new covenant that's in my blood. And if you remember the, the uh, prophecy through Jeremiah about the new covenant, it was when the Torah would be written on the hearts um, of his people in which the people would be representative or would walk in the character of God without having to, you know, uh, be concerned with what was written on a, tone, on a stone tablet. You know, the, the, um, the law was extremely very difficult to keep, you know, um, very hard to keep. 613 commandments. We don't even do well with keeping five rules here. <laughs> I could tell you I broke a rule on the way to church today. Speed limit, 45. I went 55. <laughs> So, you know, imagine having to keep 613 
And each time you violated one, you had to now go before God, bring in sacrifices to receive, you know, for, 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 for atonement. Not only was breaking the commandment, um, you know, burdensome itself, trying to fix the problem was costly. <laughs> but here it is, God writes on our hearts the personification of his spirit himself in our hearts to encourage us to live right before him. So he inaugurates this new covenant. He inaugurated the old covenant on the Feast of Shavuot. It would only make sense that he would inaugurate the new covenant on the Feast of Shavuot. And then, as he, and then he says, this is his son, Yeshua. He says this. He says that, um, that you will be my witnesses. I used to think that witnesses was just, you know, walking in the form of physical power. If you see me laying hands on somebody and that person, let's just say that person was dead. I laid hands on them, and that person came back to life. In, the Im- in, in my imagery, that would be someone would say, oh, this person must be a follower of Jesus because he did this amazing thing in our eyes. And we know that we now know that that God is real. We now know that Jesus is real. But what about character? You know, the Holy Spirit came to help, in a sense, perfect our character before God because he's now written on our hearts. Jeremiah 31, uh, verse 27 to 30 to verse 27 to 34 didn't speak anything about gifts. It spoke about character. You don't have to teach anybody to know that I'm God. Because I'm in them, they will, they will you, you know, you, there's no school for it, you know. You don't have to go to seminary to know that I'm God. It's going to be in their character. It's going to be in their life because I'm going to write on their hearts. So it's very interesting. Um, it, yes, it's great to emphasize gifts. I love gifts because gifts are, are, visual, are visual. They're a testimony to the miracles of God that still take place. But what about character? That's something that we don't tend to emphasize a lot. It's character. So I'm going to leave the floor open for any questions. Um, it was a very deep subject, um, but I think that it'll only be fair that I don't be the, that I'm not the only one speaking. But um, anybody had any questions, anything that they wanted to offer um, from what they've learned um, on Sunday or what they're hearing tonight, you know, what God has spoken to you. I mean, you know, God still speaks. Amen? So I'm going to leave the floor open. Uh, let me hear from you, you know. And don't all rush at one time, you know. <laughs> but anybody, anybody. Yeah, test. Okay, um, in essence, what, <clears throat> what the Bible is saying is once you are in Christ, you are a new creation. Um, old things have passed away, mm-hmm. including the 673 testaments that are broken. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> so what, I'm, what, I'm, what I'm basically per- trying to personify is the fact that because of now of the new covenant, the new blood that was shed, all the old edicts have now been um, broken down in the temple that when, when Jesus died in Calvary, mm-hmm. the temple basically, the temple broke in half, uh, yeah, yeah the, veil, the veil got torn in half because 
because he basically opened a new covenant with us. So um, the, I think the main bone of contention then is because we have a new covenant, we have to have the same characteristics to align to that covenant. Yeah. In, in, other, in other words, for me as a new creation, as a new creature, I have to now personify what that covenant shows in my everyday life. Yeah. So um, that is the struggle that we have now as, you know, new covenant believers. Yeah. That, hey, okay, I'm in this new creature. Lord, help me yeah. portray that, that new, crea that new crea creation in my characteristics yeah. to everybody that I interact with. And that is really the problem that we, we are having today is because um, we don't really have a full understanding of what that covenant is. So we make an excuse when we do, you know, we say, well, we, I have grace, so I, I have an excuse. Yeah. But grace is, is a stepping stone, not, a, not, a, not an excuse. You, 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 yeah. you understand what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. The grace of God is, uh, I always like to just phrase it as God's ability. You know, what I'm unable to do, God does. So, yeah, uh, it's the grace of God that allows me to live according to his will. Um, that was very difficult. The law of Moses, uh, you know, it was an advantage to some degree. I know we tend to talk bad about it from a new covenant perspective. But the law of Moses allowed uh, Israel to have a revelation of God apart from the people in the world. That was extremely unique. But at the same time, it was, it was burdensome to keep, to keep up. It had, it had blessings, but along with the blessings, had its curses. You know? Um, I want to experience the blessings of God. I, I don't want to experience the curses from God. You know? Uh, that's just my human heart. <laughs> but, you know, along with that, um, the covenant, the Mosaic covenant, um, or the, the some people call it the Sinaitic, the Sinaitic covenant, it was um, it, it was an exclusive covenant. You know, only Israel enjoyed this covenant. You know, you had to convert to Israel to really get the full uh, benefit of this covenant. But this new covenant, it's it's not exclusive; it's inclusive. And so the gospel, when we are preaching the gospel, we're saying to people, come participate or come be a part of this new covenant. Come be a part of this new thing that God is doing. The first time Moses carried the law down, the, uh, down Mount Sinai and brought it to the people, he broke it. He was in his anger, he, he broke the covenant. I mean, you know, which is not just uh, literally, but fig figuratively. Out of anger, the first, the, first, uh, the first commandments were broken, you know. 3,000 people died as also as a result of their uh, disobedience or their neglect of God's holiness. But under the new covenant, 3,000 people, ain't that something? 3,000 people were brought, were brought into a newness of life. The old covenant, death. New covenant, life. And then it's not just for Israel, it's for the entire world. If I, you know, 
if I'm going to shout, dance, and run around, that's what I'm going to shout, dance, and run around for, you know. <laughs> Amen. Anybody else? Thank you. I think, I think it was Paul who said that, that, uh, that the law is useful. The law is useful if you, if if we use it for the right purpose, yeah. because uh, you know the law had a purpose. Yeah. God gave those laws to show you know the, the, you know the children of Israel that these these are my standards, yeah. these are my requirements, yeah. and you can't keep them. Yeah. You cannot keep them, yeah. and it was also to let them know that because they can't keep them, then they are sinners. And therefore, being sinners, you need a savior. Mm -hmm. So like Paul said in Galatians, the law was to lead them to Christ. Exactly. The law was to lead them to, you know, to the tutor. Exactly. So, um, and even say that, that the law is spiritual. Mm -hmm. yeah. The law wasn't the problem. The law has never been the problem. Exactly. It is we, yeah. it is we that are the problem because we couldn't keep the law and we were not meant to keep the law. Exactly. You know, the law was to show us that we are sinners and then we needed a savior. Yeah. And that is, you know, where Jesus Christ came in. Yeah. Um, the, I, think, I think part of the reason I'm, I'm, I'm referring to Brother Selwyn's uh, um, uh, contribution, uh, which is that, that we struggle, you know, that we struggle in our Christian life uh, because we do not really understand the power and the implication of of our salvation. Yeah. We don't. Yeah. Uh, I, I think I think we've been doing a good job in this church, uh, you know, to get us to that place where what does it really mean when Jesus died on the cross? Yeah. Yeah. How does that affect me? Because he said, I think, uh, uh, I think Paul, he said, one died and therefore all died. Mm -hmm. So when he died on that cross I, and I am in him, mm -hmm. then who died? Yeah. When Paul said that we've been crucified with Christ. Mm -hmm. so, so did I die? Which part of me died? Mm -hmm. And then when Jesus resurrected from, from the grave, when he resurrected and came back to life. Mm -hmm. And then he says that we are now new creation. Yeah. What does it really mean to be new mm -hmm. creation? Yeah. What does it mean when he says that, that we were buried with him? Mm -hmm. Who was buried? Yeah. And I think once, and then he says that, that Christ is my life. Mm -hmm. Christ in me is the hope of glory. Mm -hmm. what, what do those things really, really mean? Mm -hmm. I mean, am I going around with Christ? And then sometimes we pray, Lord, help me do this. Yeah. Does he really want to help our flesh? Yeah. Does he really want to help us? Or he is the one, he wants to live his life through us. Mm. So I think, you know, the reason why I believe we struggle in our Christian life is because we do not really have a clear understanding of our salvation. Yeah. Yeah. Paul said, I appreciate nothing but the cross. Mm -hmm. 
And I wonder whether we really have a good understanding of that statement, the cross. Mm. What is the implication of the cross in my life? Yeah. And I believe that um, if we come to grasp that and really appreciate what Jesus did, the finished work of Jesus Christ, mm -hmm. and then the work of the Holy Spirit, mm -hmm. I am glad you said that. Look, you know, the gifts, when, when Paul was writing about... Um, uh, I think he wrote about the gift of the Holy Spirit and he said there are better things mm -hmm. and then he started talking about love yeah. which is the fruit yeah. Okay, yeah. the fruit of the Holy Spirit yeah. how can I when is Christ seen in me yeah. exactly. that is the question Exactly. when is Christ seen in me exactly, exactly. so yeah. these are the things that I, I think um, um we need to tackle and understand for ourselves the new creation that I am. What are the characteristics of the new creation, man? Yeah. Um, yeah. How should I live my life? Yeah. I yeah. think I end there. <laughs> I'm sitting no, out. It's it's uh it's radically have it is radically has uh, impacted me. Uh, I would say that I used to be extremely judgmental. You know, uh, I wouldn't hang around certain people. Um, I wouldn't communicate with certain people because I felt that, you know, it was kind of like uh, being a self-imposed monk. <laughs> you know, like this is my group of people that I'm going to hang with and I'm not going to hang in with anybody outside of this group. But when I began to really understand who God is, the grace of God, the love of God, and how the Holy Spirit in me the, you know, that the, the reason why the Holy Spirit dwells in me is to, to exemplify the love of God, the character of God. said, so I had to really check myself, you know. God checked me. Why are you so judgmental? Why do you hate people that I love? Why do you refuse to hate with people? Why do you refuse to be around people that I'm seeking to go after every day, every minute? That impacted me tremendously. Yeah. So I, I just want to buttress exactly what Brother Steve was saying because really that delved into the aspect of brokenness, right? So <clears throat> in other, t you know, the full understanding comes with you being broken in your inner man because when I'm broken, I can understand that, look, without God, I am nothing. You, you understand what I'm saying? The, I'll, I'll, give this, I'll give this testimony because this really <clears throat> impacted me because the day, the day I, I was told, you know, in my job, they just did a round of layoffs. And they said, okay, well, look, you know, we, your position's moving and all that stuff. And I told the lady, I said, man, you know what? I've had 17 great years with this company. I thank you for all the opportunities that have been given to me. The look on her face was like, what? <laughs> and, and that was really after the Sunday after Pastor Banks spoke about brokenness, right? Yeah. So, like, in order to be, you know, when you're broken, things that's supposed to affect you, yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, you know, like to get you angry and all that stuff. So, yeah. so I'm speaking, and she stopped me for a second. She said, you know, we just had two other employees that we just told that we were being laid off. Yeah. One that was 23 years and the other one was seven. Yeah, and, and, and they took it very hard. Yeah. He said, what, what's going on? I said, why are you taking this? I said, I said, because I just... You know, I, I'm just happy that I've spent 
my years here. And, you know, I thank God for the opportunity. And, you know, when I was driving home, I just had a smile on my face because she's like, you know what? I'm going to, whatever, whatever you need, I'm, whatever, you know, whatever, if you need me to call anybody for you, I'm, I'm going to do it. Yeah. It's because of that interaction. You know, you don't know these little things, how it affects the person next to you. You see what I'm saying? So, so what, I'm, what, what um, Brother Steve was just saying, what Dr. Steve was just saying, really just brought that to a head. Like, man, it's, it's really a humbling experience of your own self for you to understand that really God is the be-all and end-all of everything that happens in your life. So after, I, after you know, we had, had all these conversations, she said, well, the severance is going to be this, 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 that, and the other. I said, well, where do I sign? <laughs> <laughs> you, know, you know, so because because for me it was it was more of more of a, a release. Yeah. I went back there just la just last week. They're like, man, what's going on, man? You lost weight. <laughs> you look so happy. I said, man, you know, I just you know I'm just in a new place right now, and I'm just happy. I'm just happy, you know, blah blah blah. You know, because because they're thinking that everybody, you know, people are saying they're taking this, and you know, they say, man, I'm sorry, man. I said, what are you sorry for? You know, I mean, this is a this yeah. is a this is a door that's been opened for me. Yeah. But yeah. you see, I have that understanding. He does not. Yeah. So. Yeah. Anybody else? Anybody else? Okay. Um. My next door neighbor. Uh, <laughs> uh, she knows who I'm talking about. Seven knows who I'm talking about too. My next door neighbor. I'm really praying for us to have have an encounter with her that will radically change her life. Um, because, you know, God is without boundaries. And I think that he can really change her life. And, and the reason why I mention her is that every time I see her, I will say hi, she would not respond. I would ask her, how was her day? And she would look at me as if, why are you even talking to me? You know? And... And, and I could take it personal, but, you know, when people are in bondage, they're in bondage, and they don't know they're in bondage, and they can't do anything about it because it's God who can only, it's only God who can release them out of that bondage. So I'm just, you know, I'm going to close out on this. For us to just uh, pray about people we interact with on a daily basis, um, people who we know, people who we have yet to meet that can truly be impacted by the spirit of God. I just, uh, just want to have a, uh, just, a, just a, a quick prayer for them and for us to be able to know how to respond to those types of characters because this is what we're here for. I'm, I, I think about my neighbor all the time. I don't know her name. That's just how much tension is there. You know, I, and I, I, in my humanity, I don't know how to get past that tension. But I'm just praying that God, I mean, whatever the case may be, that he will open up an opportunity where I can talk to her about who he is. And not only that, may I never mess up my, um, how can I say it? May I not be a poor reflection of God's character in her presence. So that she would never, so she can't use that as a reason not to know who God is. Amen? So let us pray. Father.